0: Hey guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood, Dan Finetti. I've um, got a friend of a friend, well, I mean, sir, I guess I could call you a friend, but you're um, you're a very good friend uh, of one of my boys, Parker. Uh, you guys met in college, and uh, as I was looking just for, you know, guys to have conversations with, um, Parker uh, strongly recommended. He's like, hey, have you talked to sir? Um, so let let's start with this. Let's say welcome, sir, to the program.
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: And then let's let's make sure that people understand um, that I'm not just being polite and calling you Sir, but that's actually your name.
1: Yes, my name is Sir Duncan. Sir and Duncan. Yeah, Sir
0: Duncan. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so uh, now that we've got that out of the way, um, a lot of the times when we have uh, conversations, uh, it's just fun to kind of hear your story. And then uh, in listening to your story, kind of taking off some jumping off points for some other guys to kind of learn from. Uh, some of the life lessons, right? Goods, bads, all the different things along the way. So, um, sir, let's let's just start with um, start with your life story. How did you get to this particular point where you are in the journey?
1: Okay. Well, I was raised um, with a family that had uh, just my mom in it, so a single parent family, and okay. she raised me and my sister uh, for from an early age, just to, to love the family. Um, we got to see my mom actually graduate because she had me during her sophomore year of college. And then she okay. had my sister during her junior year. Um, so eventually she got to go back to school once we were about five or six and yeah. um, She put us in really nice schools. Uh, we went to a Christian private school for a while and mm-hmm. Uh, That was kind of my first encounter with the gospel, but as I got older and I started to switch schools, I would actually go um, to a few public schools and I really wasn't around the church a lot. Uh, The only time I would go is when friends would invite me and I would just Mm. kind of pop in for a Wednesday night, um, just watch the kids kind of uh, Kawana's night. And so uh, those were always great, but yeah, as I got to my middle school age, yeah, 12, 13, I started to play AAU basketball. Mm
0: -hmm. And so,
1: um, if we were going to church on Sunday at all, now we were in a gym, uh, usually (laughs) in Missouri or traveling around. Um, yep. Yep. And so that was the priority of my life really, um, up and through high school. Uh, but in Mm -hmm. high school, I started to chase the world in a lot of ways. Um, whether that be, alcohol or relationships or just drug abuse and so um that was a real part of my story that in high school I just kind of wanted the attention of the world and wanted what it had to offer but it wasn't enough for me um as I was going and playing basketball though I started to get opportunities just to talk to different schools about um the potential of going and playing and uh my junior summer, as I started having those conversations, I actually tore my ACL. Mm. And so going in the senior year, I had no hopes of playing basketball at all in college. And um, but luckily, one of my coaches connected me with the University of Central Arkansas, and they gave me an opportunity to come and walk on. And so that's where I was going. Once I got there, though, I realized that one, I hadn't been rehabbing my knee right. I was still turning to the world a lot of times and really wasn't focused on my, my basketball career. Yep. And then um, I really didn't want to rehab correctly. I really decided that I wanted to go um, and chase the world. And so after my freshman year at Central Arkansas, I decided to go to um, Fayetteville, Arkansas, to the University of Arkansas. Big and school. Big school. So I could party. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and once I got there, I joined a fraternity, and I was given the opportunity to party, but I had a lot of really great friends that loved on me well and just showed me the love of Christ and actually explicitly shared the gospel with me, and so um, over time, I think I just realized that the things of the world weren't worth it. And, um, one day I ended up reading the Bible that was open in the Pike house. And I actually called my mom and asked her if I could start taking her to church. And so the rest of my sophomore year, I was going to church privately and me and my mom were just kind of talking about Jesus. And eventually I started to tell some of my friends in Pike and they were so excited to actually invite me to a summer project called Kaleo. And while I was there, that was the first time I really dove in the word for myself and kind of tried to make my faith my own. Yeah. And through that, Jesus just grabbed my heart. And yeah, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Because going back to the fraternity, I was able to start sharing the gospel. And I really loved doing that uh, with guys that I loved. And Parker obviously pushed me in um, a lot of ways to grow in my faith. And then I realized that I didn't know what discipleship looked like. And so I actually went back to that summer project, my junior summer, um, to learn what discipleship looked like um, in terms of just seeing where guys are at and pointing them towards scripture. And yeah, um, it was during that time that I kind of got mobilized to see that the world um, was a part of God's mission, that God wants every tongue, tribe and nation to worship him and it's actually going to happen and so uh during that time i was looking for a job and people were mobilizing me and so i actually got plugged in with the traveling team and so um, while i started to mobilize people it also became my full-time job and yeah that's what i'm doing now
0: man sir okay so um that's a crazy story that's (laughs) there's there's a lot of twists and turns i think one of the things that jumps off the page at me um immediately um, you know, is, is one, how many twists and turns and, and um, what seems like a setback, um, you know, the knee injury um, God uses in a way to get you to a particular point where he wants you to be. It's just kind of an interesting thing. I think so many young people, um, you know, when they hear your story uh, and they hear about, you know, oh, I, you know, I blew out my knee and it's like, oh, that's, that's bad. But in God's economy, it's like, well, you know, what is bad? What is good? It's where does God want you to go? And what is he going to do with it? And I think, you know, your your story is a, is a great picture of that. From the world's perspective, you not playing basketball at college or further on than that, obviously is not good, right? But from God's economy, you not playing basketball, it's like, well, I mean, here's the deal. You're, you're doing something other than that, which is great for the kingdom. Um, and it's, you know, you can use basketball for the kingdom. You can go out there and you share the gospel for the kingdom. There really isn't, you know, one... Particular area um, that's in a sense better than the other. And, and, you know, just being open to say, hey, God, where do you want me to go? Uh, allows you to take what would be a setback, right? And instead of, you know, kind of, I remember a a great book I um, read was called, you know, Failing Forward, right? It's just, you know, kind of you use it and and you keep on moving forward in a particular direction, even though it seems like a little bit different. Um, Let me ask you a question, though, in terms of um, being raised by a single mom. Now, this is a program kind of devoted. Um, to the development right of manhood um and so how did how did your mom help you uh help train you to kind of become the man uh that you are today uh, as a single mom what were what were the some kind of some of the things as you look back on it that you were you were glad and thankful um that that she kind of poured into your life
1: yes my mom really did a great job at just making sure that I was a hard worker mm. she, she really just put on me that one, I should be willing to work hard and two, also bringing others into that and allowing myself to not be the best at everything, but actually asking for help. And then she actually brought in, um, like my grandfather was a big part of my life and got me plugged in with an organization called Big Brothers, Big Sisters, mm-hmm. where a young adult man basically would take me out and we would just talk about life and hang out.
0: Yeah, man. What? Yeah. Great program. Obviously, you know, uh, the church is another just, you know, facility that's out there for guys just to plug in if you don't have, you know, older men in your life. Right. I mean, you know, whether it's a program um, like that or it's just, you know, getting plugged into a good church. Um, Relatives are obviously a a great thing. So, you know, your grandfather being a big part of your life and just kind of helping you uh, in that journey is an awesome thing. Uh, and so I think that's a, a good reminder for every guy out there, um, you know, that you're looking for um, men that are doing life well, that you can learn from, that they can, you know, mentor and disciple you. Um, sports, let me ask you this. Um, sports was a big part of your life, um, you know, and, and uh, do, do you think it was a, you know, because as you got into kind of the sports world, it seems like it took you away from the things of God, took you away from church. Um, You know, and then you, you obviously, you know, went to central Arkansas and then you went to Fayetteville and sports was still kind of a big part of it. Um, I see so many young guys that sports becomes um, in a sense, kind of an idol in their life. Um, And instead of, you know, balancing sports and kind of putting it in in its proper perspective, right. As a, as a tool, as an instrument to use, um, you know, to, um, you know, kind of showcase talents, but also. Um, just something that can help you grow and develop in areas of life it becomes kind of the all encompassing aspect of life everything else you know kind of sets aside and and sports becomes you know that we have to sacrifice everything so that we can play sports did you see that in your life as well
1: yes i would say that sports just took over everything it was all that I thought about, uh, during the week. And it's really the only thing that I was putting my time in too. And so a lot of times I would actually see like coaches and teammates more than I would see my family. So, yeah.
0: So here's, here's a question. What would you say to a young guy? Because you, you got to grind, you're right. You got to put in the time if you want to get better. Um, and so, you know, you got a guy out there who's, you know, at practice, he's on the court, he's putting up his shots, he's working on his game. Um, what would you say to that young guy, though, to help him understand that sports isn't everything and maybe it's become an idol in his life? Um, how how would you, if you had a conversation with a young guy in that, you know, in that kind of part of his life, what would you say to him to kind of make him kind of stop and think about it a little bit?
1: I think that a lot of the reason that we love sports, either playing or um Just cheering on teams is that we have this desire to actually be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves and have this hope. Uh, And so, yeah, I think that that's a great way to talk to guys and say that our real hope and our real desire is in the Lord. Uh, It's just easy to put it into basketball or football or baseball. Oh, I
0: I like that. Yeah. Kind of use the positive of it as opposed to focusing on the negative and just saying, hey, right, what that desire that you feel, right, is real and it's intense is just meant for something even greater than basketball something greater than sports it's meant to right have you have a relationship with the lord and then once the lord comes into your life everything else kind of gets a better priority after that right when he takes the center seat then basketball sports and other things like that take their proper perspective as opposed to being number one in your life so that that's a that's a great uh Great uh, reminder that you could have a conversation with a young guy on that. Uh, let me ask you this. The, uh, the work that you're doing now, the traveling team, not a lot of people probably know about it or have heard of it. So tell me a little bit about just kind of this concept of um, you're going out and you're um, equipping people and mobilizing people to do what?
1: Yes. So we speak on about 80 different campuses a year. Wow. I get to talk to guys like myself that for the longest time, I thought that my ministry was um, I just thought it was the fraternity house. (laughs) And I had a guy call me out and say that the whole world um, needs access to the gospel and we should be making disciples everywhere. And I still didn't see that for myself, but basically what the traveling team does is we try to take people that have zero interest in global missions and we try to get them to, um, on a scale of zero to 10, we try to get them to the first one. So Uh maybe someone starts praying for the world or, um, yeah, we also train them with a mobilization tool called the world vision illustration that talks about, um, God's word, uh, the world and the status of it that, um, 3 billion people don't have access to the gospel and will never shake hands with a Christian. And uh, then we talk about the work of going um, short term, long term, and also sharing the gospel here. And then by sending, you are praying for those that are going overseas and financially supporting them so they can go.
0: That's pretty cool. Now, how long are you going to be doing this particular work that you've signed up for?
1: So I'm on a three-year commitment and I'm about to finish my first year.
0: Awesome. And can people support you? So like, let's say you got a listener out there and they're like, hey, sir, I love what you're doing and I want to support you. You actually raise financial support for this position, right?
1: Yes, I do. Yes, I'm always making support.
0: All right. Well, hey, we'll put some stuff in the show notes if some guys want to look at that. Um, But let me ask you this. You you said moving from zero, right, to a 10. um, and, And the first step might just be, um, praying for the world, right? That there's three billion people out there that don't have access to the gospel. Um, what 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 does that? I guess that that journey look like uh, for a person, right? As they uh, begin to think about um, the importance of everybody being able to hear the good news of the gospel that frees you from death to life, right? Why would I guess? Here's the thing. Why wouldn't everybody be at a ten? I you know I mean it just it just seems like well yeah that's the most important message you can you can you know, share with anybody. Um, and so I guess it's just like, as you go out and you talk to people, what are some of the things that you hear from people of why they're not interested in world missions?
1: I think the major thing that um, keeps people from being involved is the lack of knowledge. that okay. They might just not know that people don't have the Bible because I believe that many Christians do care about um, our friends that aren't saved. But it's really, it's a, you can't see the people on the other side of the world right now. Yeah. So it doesn't feel as real, yeah. but those statistics of 3 billion people being overseas, it's, it's a opportunity for us, um, to help see the glory of God be shared all over the world. And so, yeah, I think you start with praying, um, I started by praying that people from my college campus would actually go overseas and then after doing that for a couple of weeks with a group um one day I kind of started thinking what if it was me that went overseas mm-hmm. and actually taking that personal responsibility of why have I been holding myself out of this mission um why would I not be willing to take those steps and if I don't end up overseas I can still point people towards um yeah, playing a part in the great, uh, the yeah, the great commission.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things too is, is, you know, you were at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville and the understanding, right, that I know the desire, the heart's desire is to take the gospel, right, to the, you know, four corners of the world, right, that everybody would have access. The cool thing is, is in a sense, you know, a lot of the world is actually coming to college campuses, right? So if you walked around the University of Arkansas, Um, You may meet people from countries that you would never go to, um, you know, sharing the gospel, even where you are. You never know the ripple effects, of the impact that that's going to have, because as those people take that, uh, they may take it back to, you know, even close countries to the gospel. Right. You may have people that you and I couldn't go to that particular country, but somebody from that country is, you know, at the university of wherever you are. And you share the gospel with them, they take it back. And it's a way to, you know, kind of share the gospel uh, in places that maybe we would never get to. Um, but you're right. I, I think that, you know, the concept is is uh, lack of knowledge is probably the first thing. People just don't know. Uh, we assume that we've had the Bible, um, you know, in our language for forever. And the reality is, is that's that's not even true. We haven't even had the Bible in our language, you know, in English for you know 300 years. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's one of the things that if you have it in your language, you just assume that everybody has it in their language and they have access to it. Um, have you been to the um, uh, Museum of the Bible? Um, that was one of the great things we got to go to in D.C., and you, there's a room that they have um, all the Bible languages, right, that it's been translated into, the ones that they're working on, but then they have a, a wall um, of books that represent the different languages that don't have... Um, you know, the Bible in their language. uh, And and you can can give money towards those particular things. And it's kind of interesting. They're like, there's a lot of languages that people speak that don't actually have a written form of communication. So they first got to send somebody in there, right, as a, you know, as a translator to learn the language, then they have to boil it down to a written form. And then they have to take, you know, the Greek and the Hebrew, right, and translate it into their particular language. And so it's, it's a lot of work that's being done. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing if people are fascinated by that concept, you know, is, is to think, how did we get the Bible? Um, you know, what, what does that look like? And appreciate that even more. Um, but then realize that, you know, as you go into other countries, this work has to be done in those particular, you know, areas and for those particular languages as well. So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. So what what's next for you? Is it just continuing to uh, talk on college campuses and kind of share the vision with college students? Is that kind of the big focus right now?
1: Yes. So for at least the next two years, that's the big focus is just to continue in knowledge of the Lord and loving him and just being able to sit in that grace. And then also just helping other people catch a vision. Um, So hopefully we say that we're raising other people up to potentially go overseas with us. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to help um, more college students just see the vision And the Lord will, yeah, he will work in their hearts. We know that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I love the idea, right? That, you know, you can do something bigger than yourself. Um, You know, so many people are, in in a sense, self-centered, self-focused. Unfortunately, college has become, um, you know, how do I go to the right college to get the right education, to get the right job for me, Um, where that's not what college used to be. College used to be the time to explore the world wrestle with the great ideas and then say, Hey, what big issues out there in the world can I help solve? Um, And so, you know, it's, it's moving away from that. I'm glad you're calling people back to some of the bigger questions in life. Um, I want to ask another couple couple other questions. One, Kaleo, right? You mentioned Kaleo. Um, I've got a daughter there. You've been there twice. Tell us a little bit about kind of what that particular program looks like.
1: So Kaleo is just a discipleship opportunity for um, older students to invite their um, either non believer friends or uh, new believers, just believers all throughout the walk. Um, and basically, you're going through just the basics of the faith. And so, uh, you want people to have a firm foundation. And uh, most of these people are coming from like fraternities and sororities. Mm-hmm. And so you're being prepared to actually go back on campus and share the gospel and disciple others. Well.
0: Yeah. Now you, you did mention that um, you were in the Pike house and sharing your faith and growing in your faith. Um, I think some people, um, you know, that they've been on a college campus and they're kind of thinking is, is the Pike house different than it was when I was on a college campus is it? <laughs> there are some Christian fraternities that, um, uh, the you know the Pike House is not a Christian fraternity at the University of Arkansas. So, what was it like to live out your faith, right, in an environment that most people and and when you started there, right, you didn't start um, walking out your faith when you you know when you walked onto you know that college campus. But what was it like to live out your faith um, in a place where a lot of people around you were probably living very differently to what you were doing?
1: I think. Um, after my first Kaleo, after the Lord had really grabbed my heart, I was moving into the Pike House and I had a group of guys, uh, Will, Jake and Parker, who were always around me. And they just helped me see that the Lord was the right way and kind of led me out of temptation. A lot of times they um, just were very protective over me. And so I thank them for that. And then I think the first couple of weeks were a little rough because people are asking, "Wait, what changed?" Um, yeah, yeah, and it's hard to explain it, but it's also really easy to share the gospel and say that God <laughs> grabbed my heart, so yeah, I don't have to end this virus.
0: Yeah. I mean, you used to walk in you know darkness and now you walk in light, right? It used to be salt, not water. Now it's fresh. I mean, the gospel is an amazing thing because it really is from death to life. It's a totally different thing. But if if somebody hasn't experienced it before, um, it just it, – here's the weird thing. It just looks like, oh, right, you found religion. You're trying to make yourself a better person. Now you look down at us who don't do all those different things. When in reality, it has nothing to do with that, right? It, it's It's kind of a, a crazy thing, but it's just – you know the things that used to taste good to me don't taste good anymore. Um, the things that I wasn't interested in before now I am, um, and it, it's it's a it's a it's a really difficult thing to explain to somebody if they haven't gone through that particular process, right? Given their life to Christ, and all of a sudden, right? It's kind of like oh well now I've got a different path that I'm walking on. Um, you know you've had that experience where you've. Been at a particular place, and all of a sudden you're starting to live differently, and people look at you and say, "Hey, what, what's different? What's changed? You know, why why aren't you doing the same things that you used to do?" Um, and I think it's a it's a great reminder that um, having some good um, accountability around you to help you um, live out truly what you say you believe is an important aspect. And you know, from a guy's perspective, uh, I'm glad you had some uh, some good guys around you. Um, uh, last words uh, to guys, kind of your age, if they wanted to um kind of wrestle with the concepts that you're kind of giving them right where where would you tell them to start right so let's let's talk to somebody who they're saying hey sir um you know what I'm, I'm not interested in spiritual things at all but okay I mean I, I gave you 20 minutes um wh- where would you tell me to start if, um, I just wanted to begin this process of saying maybe there is something different. Maybe there is something bigger, a bigger story that's going on here uh, than just what I was used to. Where would you tell them to start?
1: I really like the story in Luke 7.
0: Ah, okay.
1: About Jesus and the centurion. Um, I just see that. Um, the centurion has a servant, a slave who is sick, and he's actually calling out to Jesus. Um, but the first group of people that go to Jesus say, heal my servant. Um, he, he loves the, our country. He's done a lot. And um, Jesus starts to walk towards their house. And the centurion actually sends another group of friends and says, they basically share the message that they're not worthy um, to have Jesus come to the house, but they see that he actually has this real authority in the same way a Centurion could order his soldiers to go, they'll go. And if he says, come, they'll come. Um, they just see the Centurion sees that Jesus has this authority over the earth. And, um, I think that it's important that anybody that hears about Jesus wrestles with that, um, the, the thought of Jesus's authority, what is it in your life? And so that's where I like to take people if I've got 20 minutes with them.
0: There you go. I love it. I love it. I, I think that's a, you know, a, a great place to start, um, you know, wrestling with the idea of who you are um, is, you know, who, who, who are you? Where did you come from? Uh, what does all this mean? Um, and the, the great thing is the Bible answers all of those questions. It gives you an understanding of God. Um, creation, right? It gives you an understanding of the, the fall and sin and the current condition we're in. It gives you an incredible picture, as you said, of, you know, the good news, the gospel, right? You know, the redemption of God buying us back uh, through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, uh, to make up, to make us his own, right? To adopt us into his family. And then it gives us a, a great vision to say, you know, once, once that has been done, you know, asking the question of, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And the cool thing is, is He's such an incredibly creative God that He's got so many different things that He can have us do. So, um, I'm excited about um, just your journey. I'm excited about the uh, the path uh, that God has brought you on. Just in the last few years, um, you know, it's 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 uh, it's neat to see, um, you know, and and to kind of hear you encapsulate uh, what's a you know a fairly long journey um, down into a few minutes. Um, but just to kind of see as, as God has, um, you know, brought you from um, a life that was devoted to uh, basketball and uh, and yourself uh, to a life that's now devoted to something greater than yourself, uh, and just to kind of see you grow up in that. So uh, I'm super uh, excited for you, I'm excited about what God has called you to, uh, and excited uh, that others who get to listen to this get to share in that particular journey. So, um, sir, I appreciate uh, just the time. Any last words for the guys out there as a word of encouragement?
1: If you're listening to this and you're still wrestling with the gospel, I would say just keep wrestling. It's, it's worth it and it's the best thing that you can do with your time here on earth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's always often said, right. That, you know, the gospel is the greatest story ever told. And you know, I'm a a reader. I love stories, right? Um, You know, today most stories are probably you know put on movies. People love you know a good movie. Um, And the reality is, it's like that. Those are awesome, right? There's some great books to read. There's some great movies to watch. um, You know that uh, that entertain you and you know and you know kind of capture your mind. Um, But if you ever really want to know the greatest story, you've got to dig into the Bible uh, and read about God. Uh, creation um, his son Jesus Christ and uh and what he's called us to uh, and it puts uh, a whole different light uh, on the world around you so it's uh it's a great story and I'm I'm glad you know you're just kind of giving guys that uh, encouragement that um you know if you have a thought right if you're ever thinking hey you know who who am I where am I what am I doing um, go to the gospels wrestle with the idea of who Jesus is uh, and you'll walk away with uh hopefully with an entirely different concept of of life and who you are. so uh, sir, I'll get some uh, um, some information from you as far as how people can support you uh, financially uh, and hopefully some of the people do because uh, what you're doing is a, an incredible um, you know devotion of your life to something greater than yourself and uh, and we're just going to be praying for God to uh, uh, to have you be successful um, on every college campus that you go to and in every place that he takes you uh, that people would be drawn to the gospel. Um, through your words and through your work. So appreciate your time, sir.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, Be strong and show yourself a man.